Welcome back for episode two of the Understable Podcast. This week we will be joined by special guest, Mr. Jeremy Panucci, owner of Hazy Shade Disc Golf and more. You know, kind of the first question, if you could, you know, just how did, how did you, you know, what is your involvement with disc golf? How did you get started? Not just from a store standpoint, but just, you know, pure disc golf sport. Uh, so how did I start get started in disc golf? Um, so, you know, Belmont Park, I, I, my first house was in Belmont. Uh, I lived in that area. I went to high school with Scott Burnett, um, you know, and him and a few of my other friends, Joe Miller, used to be like, man, let's go play some disc golf. And, uh, you know, for a while I was like, that sounds kind of dumb. Like, <laughs> I don't think I want to do that. And then they're like, come on, just go out and play. And it was like, you know, one round and boy, I was hooked full, full speed, you know? And then moving forward every day was just like, uh, man, it's three 30. I'm off work in 30 minutes. And we'd be planning on being at Belmont park, uh, with, with a handful of discs, ready to throw some frisbees man it was it was cool so um the store just kind of came around because i don't know i i always have kind of been an entrepreneur at heart when i was a kid i i thought for sure i was going to go to professional clown school and uh followed shortly by i was going to flip homes and um it just uh you know these were things that i was i kind of thought were fun but I wanted a long-term goal that didn't involve, you know, having to kill myself in the construction industry every day. And we kind of got together and thought of something we could do. We really didn't compete against Walmart. And, uh, you know, Hazy Shade was kind of born. And the rest is the rest is kind of history. Yeah, so you mentioned, you know, getting your early start, living in Belmont. You know, for people who don't know, Belmont Disc Golf is, is probably the Dayton hub, if, if I uh, am correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Belmont has got uh, – there's a lot of great courses in the Dayton area, um, and, and we seem to be adding more all the time. But I, I I think most everybody would agree that Belmont is kind of the definition of Dayton disc golf. I mean, it's got the oldest history. It's just uh, – you know, it's that feel-good golf. Is it is it our most challenging, most pro-level course? No. You know what I mean? But uh, everybody can – can relate to some story or another for the most part with with the history of belmont so it's a it's a great it's great golf you know and and you think uh, at one point in its existence was a world caliber course so it says a lot about belmont on a park and it says a lot about uh, you know the sport in general like how far it's come over the years yeah absolutely and you know, one of the things that, in case somebody clicks on to this podcast that has never been involved in disc golf, and correct me if I'm wrong, Belmont Disc Golf Course is all volunteer kind of work, right? Um, you know, 95% of all of our courses are, now that number might be going down, but the bulk of our courses are volunteer work. Um, and, yeah, Belmont being in the city of Dayton, it's, uh, it's, it's a bunch of volunteer work. It's... It's tricky, you know, because um, I'll, I'll try and gain a relationship with somebody in the city and uh, things will be going really well and they'll be comfortable with me and I'll be comfortable with them. And then two years go by and, 
you, you know, they've taken another position and somebody new is in there and then you're starting that relationship building over again. So, you know, it was, uh, and, and the sport was again, uh, not really taken super serious, you know? So, um, it took a long time to get a good relationship. The city of Dayton in the last several years has been amazing, but their limits are, you know, driven by budget. Um, so there's only so much they can do, but I, I really, I really think they do a great job. But the the community, the people who play Belmont are really the heart and souls. You know, the Jim Bacon's and the Brian Crabtrees, and you know, the the list could go on and on and on. Uh, it's 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 a really neat course. Yeah, as, you know, absolutely. For me, you know, my disc golf journey is is, is pretty short. You know, as far as time played, but. You know, it, it always feels to me, no matter where else I go, if there's something going on in the community, it's at Belmont. Like that's you know that's really home. Yeah. You know, I live yeah. in I live in Miamisburg, but you know, if you think of Dayton Disc Golf and you're gonna have an event for Dayton Disc Golf, you, you think of Belmont. And that's you know that's kind of home for everybody, home base. And then we you know, we, we travel outside from there. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's just you know, it's 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 just feel good golf. And I think uh, deep down, everybody loves feel-good golf. I mean, you always want to go push yourself to be more, um, but there is definitely nothing wrong with um, the kind of golf that you can get from Belmont Park. It's a great course. Uh, you know, give Slate Paul some credit for putting that thing in. And, and the city. I mean, back then as well, the city was heavily involved in the original installation of the course, so. You know, a lot of a lot of people. You know, for feel good golf aspect, a lot of people may not realize. You know, if I never played, but I, I think it's what six, nine, and eleven, where they're all right there together. Yep. I think that's the best three holes in disc golf. You know, that I've played because you just see people. You know, like you're yeah. usually you're out in a park and it, and it goes out and it comes back, and you're not really involved. But you know, six, nine, and eleven, you always know somebody in another group. You know, yep. and then you see them two or three more times, and it's just kind of a, it's it's kind of a neat area for me, to like, hey, how's it going? How's your round? And especially in a tournament, we just had Jim City, and it was cool to see all those other guys playing on different cards and be like, oh, how you doing? Ah, oh, keep it going. You know, it's it's an interesting uh, kind of makeup of, of Belmont. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. The community at Belmont Park, for the most part, is it's. You know, of course, every course has its stragglers, but you know, it's it's good people, uh, and 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 they do good things, and it's 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 really the it's really a good uh, you know example of where the sport was, where the sport came from, and it's still you can still find that a lot at Belmont Park. I think. I think one of the biggest benefits of uh, Belmont is that it's so centrally located. You go from there, and you can disperse anywhere in about twenty minutes from Belmont. And you've got other courses, but like you said earlier, when people think Dayton Disc Golf, they think Belmont Park. It's so central. Yeah, and it's it's fun. You know, it's it's. I think it's got a nice mix of shots um, for the average disc golfer. You know, I I think the the general general Joe disc golfer that course can play well for you. For sure. Um, one of the questions that we had was. Uh, what was it that led you to open Hazy Shade? Um, yeah, that, uh, so, I, I mean, I loved playing 
I was like super passionate about it. We would, we would spend all of our time, uh, that we weren't, you know, that I wasn't at work. We would, we would be on the course somewhere. Um, and I, I just wanted to, to run a business, you know, and, and a friend of mine, uh, me and a friend of mine actually started the store together. Uh, and it just kind of worked out. We lived together. Um, you know, we could, we could invest, uh, I, I was in some contracting and I had done a little bit of home flipping. And so I had a small nest egg and some equity in my home that I could use. And, uh, you know, he was in retail sales, so he could move over and, and manage a store for us for a while. And it, it just kind of worked. Um, you know, it was, it was something I was passionate about. There wasn't, there was not much, I mean, there was R&M music is where you would buy discs from uh, in the Dayton area. And, the, you know, the guy the guy wasn't overly thrilled about uh, disc golfers. It was just he was right there by the course. Um, and so he carried he carried the DX end of a line, you know, and, and <laughs> about 15 molds total. And so it just seemed like an opportunity for us to uh, – get in somewhere where we uh didn't compete you know it was like oh let's let's have a record store or a cd store you know and, and it's like there was one of those on every corner and and you know the internet and so it just didn't make sense and this seemed to be something that we could be passionate about and enjoy and yet still um not have to compete what we didn't really realize in the beginning is we were going to have to work hard to build uh, a client base so you know it's uh it's give and take a little bit there and but we were we we're fortunate a lot of hard luck and uh are a lot of a lot of hard work and good luck and we've been able to be successful uh 19 years this week that's so. yeah that's what i was going to ask is how long so i've been in the Dayton area since 2011 yeah and i kind 2002. of 2002 yep yeah, that's, I mean, I remember the store back then, like, passing it by and, and not knowing anything about disc golf, but, you know, thinking, like, oh, okay. So, so you were younger then, obviously, and, and I assume living with somebody so single. So, you know, my biggest question for you was, was it a hard leap to open a business selling $15 plastic discs? Um... So, you know, I, I'll credit a lot of my success to um, stubborn and stupidity. <laughs> um, and, you know, any business guy is going to tell you at some point in time you're going to have to be lucky. So, you know, when I told my family um, this is this is what I want to do, you know, y you get some interesting looks. Uh, I got to credit my mom. You know, she was super supportive in it with me. And we actually became partners and bought um, – we bought a five unit building that we started the store in. Um, and it, it did well for both of us, you know, cause we could, we kept it for a long time and then was able to sell it. But, uh, you know, if I had listened to the naysayers, there would never have been a hazy shade. You know, I just, uh, a lot of me, um, is proving people telling me I'm not going to be able to do something wrong. So, and that's, that's kind of where we came with that. And, it, you know, we were able to grow into, um, into the sport like that. There was plenty of days where we did, you know, $75 in sales. Um, you know, so it was, 
it was interesting but it, we started really small you know it was a 400 square foot shop and rent was 300 bucks a month and you know so it wasn't a lot of overhead we just we took the capital to start and we rolled the dice and we just ground it out yeah now in 2020 you would have never expected the uh the kind of boom that happened <laughs> You know, you had to wait. Uh, it's been an interesting year, for sure. Yeah, you had to grind, and we'll get into a lot of that. But you had to grind for twenty years to have that kind of impact that that you know, obviously, coronavirus had. Yeah, yeah, it's been interesting. Was there a point, you know, last year when something brought up coronavirus where you became worried that the store might have to close permanently? Yes. Yes, I mean, without a doubt. I, I feel like I aged probably 40 years last year. Um, you know, there was there was many a times where, you know, it felt like uh, I was backed into a wall and, it, you know, this was going to be it. Um, so it was uh, the, the uncertainties from day to day make make it very difficult, you know, because you never know you never know what's going to happen next or what regulation or who's going to get sick or you know and um it's scary man it's uh you know when when we would have somebody who would you know we would have to close the store for a period of time i mean those were those were grueling grinding mental days because you know you're you're concerned about your business but you're also concerned about your staff you know i i love my staff like family you know my wife too we there people talk about the quality of staff uh and the experience at hazy shade it's it's you know we work hard to take care of them and show them love as much as we can in return that they you know can put on the right face for us when we're not in the store so it's scary you know it's uh take it as you want you don't you don't want to be you know i know we're not responsible for things but it's that's easy to say, you know, but hard to hard to stomach when you're worried that somebody's going to be sick and they got a family or they're, you know, you just don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think that's what most small businesses, you know, everybody looks at a revenue aspect, you know, but with small businesses, you, you don't have 500 employees. You know, you right. have you have 10 or 12 and those people that you, you know, those people, you know, yeah. so, and you know, especially at a, at a, at a kind of niche market like disc golf where a it's a community anyway you know those those you know 10 or 12 people you have working at the store you know intimately so you know obviously you're going to care you know it becomes a our dollars more important than people and that's you know and, that's definitely an issue yeah they're not you know what i mean and that that's the aspect we took from this from jump is that they're not i, I mean i i adamantly remember talking to um a lady from the small business association and i said i'm just going to close my store i said we're just not going to open you know and and i'm just going to file for bankruptcy and we're just going to hang it up because you know i can't it it was when we were discussing like how to bring people back and how to safely reopen and uh you know the unemployment rate was so high for people to be at home and uh, you know how do how do you get somebody to take less money to come to work right when when the when the fear is just pounding every single day for weeks they've been saying you know don't leave your house don't leave your house and then all of a sudden it's hey next week 
we want you to open up. And, <laughs> you know, I know you've been getting good money to be at home, but you should take less and come to work with people around all the time. You know, and so we uh, we fought hard for our staff, and we still do. You know, we have we've 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 uh, done everything possible that we can do for them to keep them safe. You know, make it worthwhile financially for them to come in um, and keep keep uh, systems in place. You know, as best we can. So, well, I know when you first opened up, I mean, you had you know, obviously you had the luxury of having the putting room. Um, and you know you had people come in there and then they would yep. go get every disc and you know that was a great process I, I went up there and had it was it was very seamless um, yeah you know just and then you know obviously you just kind of work back to where it is now and, and I've never yeah. felt unsafe there since I've you know since everything started well thank you we 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 spend a lot of time in that you know and we we pay uh we pay dry fog to come out and chemically clean the store uh every so often uh, they they put down a barrier on top I, we just have so many products that i mean <laughs> why do you buy a disc in a store well i want to touch it exactly you know and, and it's believe what you want or but the only thing we could really know is nobody knew you know what i mean and, and every day you listen something different was going on and so it was like i would rather be over safe than have regret that's one thing you can't you can't buy or work your way out of yeah that's that's completely understandable so let me let me tell a, a quick little story just to kind of show exactly where hazy shades at and what it's about um I am obviously new to the sport, um, and so when I, you know, when I first got into it, it was, I remember the day, it was the last week of October, and I was actually at the senior center right by Belmont for work, and I had some time to kill, so I walked over to Hazy Shade, and we've been talking about playing disc golf, but I've never, you know, obviously I didn't know anything about it, and I walked in there, and, uh, you know, the, the coolest thing ever is, is a, as a person brand new, you know, you're greeted, do you need any help? And the, and the first thing I said was, well, I've never played. Me and my son want to go out and play and see what it's all about. You know, what do I need? And and for me, the, the coolest thing was they didn't try to, to take me to the brand new disc and, and try to oversell me some latest and greatest. They took me to the used rack and they gave me three discs. You know, mm-hmm. they said, here's three discs that, you know, it's a, a putter and a mid-range and a slower driver you know, for you and your son. So we had six discs total and said, you know, go to any course. And I said, well, I live in Miamisburg. We have a course and it was Sycamore. And they said, well, don't go there your first time. You know, like they were like, don't go there, go somewhere else, you know. But we only had like an hour and a half before his soccer practice. So we went to Sycamore, Yeah. you know, but, but I thought that was, you know, now when I go in there and they ask me if I need anything, you know, I'm like, no, I'm good because I, I mean, I do nothing but research discs all the time. So, uh-huh. But they, they treated me as I was one of them, you know, the first time I ever walked in there a year ago. And, and I think that was, you know, to me that sets you guys apart than, you know, a lot of other disc stores that I've been in for, uh, you know, for sure. Well, that's, uh, I, number one, I love to hear stories about the staff and, and people being excited because as a business owner, there's there is no better compliment than you can get than someone messaging me and saying, man, I went to your store today and I had the greatest experience and I'm like, awesome. You know, that's one thing that, uh, that when you grow a business, 
it's scary because it used to be me standing at that counter six days a week, you know, and you knew what was getting said. But as you grow and the responsibilities change, you don't get to have that. So, um, but you know, the, the concept for us with that is, has always been, it's, it's our job to help you become a disc golfer, not make a sale. Because if you're a disc golfer, I'm going to see you 20 times or 30 times, um, and if I just bring you in and I sell you a, a pretty groove, um, you know what I mean? You can you can do that at, at every Walmart and, and you know, I'm maybe sure maybe I make a, a few dollars off you on a sale, but for you to be a repeat customer and to be another competitor in the sport and another um, sounding board for the sport, that, that means a bunch, you know, and that's that's always been our model. Oh yeah, my was, my wife hates you. <laughs> She 100% doesn't like me. <laughs> I don't think... Uh, that, that's funny. We have uh, we, we have that quite a bit, especially around <laughs> Christmas. Don't tell my wife you saw me. <laughs> you know? And then the wife comes in later and is buying him Christmas presents, and it's uh, it's we always get a good kick out of it. Because he already, he already got what he wants, but he's going to get more. Yeah. You know, and it's I, I, I remember recently I had a wife text me and she said, or message me, and she said, you know, my husband's birthday's coming up and I really want to get him something cool. And she had some some obscure discs that she was looking for, but I was just so blown away that you know this this lady was going out of her way to to get her husband some good collectibles that you know we we hustled around to try and find them for because it, it's just it's cool. Yeah, we awesome. used to uh, we used to have uh, the the uh, putt for dough contest at the at the last store it's been a little weird lately but uh it was always we'd, we'd bring the the grandmas and the, the wives and people buying gifts for people uh take them into the putting room and let them putt for a discount uh and it was nice because they had no clue what we're doing when we're out on the course a lot of them so to uh to come in and interact and get to throw a frisbee and we'd always end up letting them throw or move them up until they got a discount you know so that's awesome. It's it's part of just what the sport is, you know. It's fun. I don't think I can recall any time I've walked into your store and had a bad experience. I don't think I've ever had any of your employees try and sway me towards one disc or another. And any time sure. I ask about a disc, for the most part, they're like, "Yeah, here's you know, they give me the information they know about it, or or something comparable that I'd be able to be familiar with." So. I really, really enjoy walking into Hazy and just a pleasant experience overall. We appreciate that. And I, I know that we're not going to be perfect every time. You know, we work with the staff, but we're humans. You know, all of us. Of course. Some days it's hard, whether it's something that's going on at home or something that's going on at work or the boss at Hazy Shades being a jerk, you know. It just uh, – so we appreciate that. It, it means a lot. Customers, there's nothing more that we can do um, that's more important than – customer service so right um so i noticed that you guys are doing some remodeling in the putting room um can you elaborate maybe on some of the the plans or design changes that you're doing in that aspect yeah so um the driving lane will be will be eliminated um it just with the with the growth of the online store um you know with 2020 showed that you know, the fact that we didn't have a functioning online store was, it was pretty important that we do something about that. You know, we've been trying to put in an online store for years with a lot of failed projects. Um, so, you know, 2020, um, 
we changed direction again and got this project off the ground and then uh, you know we really never had intended to not see Springfield open back up after uh, the first quarantine um, you know when, when they shut us down we took a week uh, and uh, you know just you took it took a week off and then I kept a few of us on staff and um, we brought all of the discs from Springfield to date to photograph um, for the website load and uh, you know it just came apparent that it wasn't we weren't going to be able to stock two stores um, and I wasn't going to be able to staff two stores um, with the kind of product that we want to offer to customers you know um, we could have opened Springfield with you know, a handful of one and a handful of an- at another, but to the consumer, it's. I feel like we were giving two poor products versus, you know, making the hard decision and leaving Springfield closed. So, we needed to have a place for stock, um, overstock, and then as as the signs kind of started showing that uh, it was going to be harder and harder to get plastic. Um, we just started making a little bit larger of buys, um, and we were prepping for the website launch anyway. So the driving lane will become, um, basically the warehouse, the Dayton warehouse is what we're going to call it. Uh, and then we look to open back up the putting side, um, again, hopefully in a few weeks when we can get everything, you know, and then we'll move all of those racks out of the putting room and, uh, we still want to offer, that experience that's one thing that I've always loved about our stores and or playing experience so we just you know with the limitations of bodies that we could have in the store um, it just didn't make sense for us to keep the putting room open you know it just uh, we, we have to be conscious of moving people through the store um, and being able to, to cater to everybody without standing outside or you know making sure we're following the health guidelines so that's the long and short we'll 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 move our uh receivings process and our photograph process and our overstock um for the the warehouse and the online store into that side uh, and then try and get the putting side back open yeah so so with that um you know i i don't think a lot of people realize you know, not only do we have, you know, a coronavirus pandemic, but, you know, most estimates say it's like a 200% increase in, in disc golfers. Um, and, and with that, you know, a lot of discs are made in California or different states where they had to be shut down. Can you kind of elaborate and let, you know, because a lot of people may be upset because they're not being able to get their favorite disc or, you know, or, or the stock is, is limited. You know, can you elaborate a little bit on what you actually go through just to get the inventory that you have? Um, it's brutal. You know, I, I don't I don't have any better way to describe it than brutal. Uh, as a business owner, you never want to tell a customer no. You know what I mean? I never want to not have that mold you're looking for when you walk in the door. Um, and you know, it's it's important to us, but at this point in time, the the ability to get plastic is uh, it's it's next to impossible. So, for example, um, one of my manufacturers 
and, and if you follow along, I'm sure you can figure out who's who here. But I'm, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you're fine. Just the heck of it. But we're not. Hey, we're not national yet. You could probably say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Someday you guys are going to be famous, and everybody's going to read back over this, and then I'm going to be canceled or something. So I, you got to be careful. This lives forever in the digital world. But, That's right. Uh, you know, one of my manufacturers will send me a hundred discs in a box um, up to twice a month, and I get no say in what those discs are. Um, you know, you, you can either take it or you can leave it. Uh, you know, another one of my manufacturers, um, we can buy maybe somewhere between two and four of some limited molds, uh, and and then even just this last week. We got hit with another limit from one of our big manufacturers again, and it's uh, it's genuinely concerning. I mean, um, because you wonder at some point in time if you're going to be able to keep enough plastic in the store, you know. And uh, we're a year into this. Do they ever give a reason? Do they give you a reason as to why? Well, their favorite word to use is fair. and you know, I talked to uh, I talked to one of them this week, and I said, if if one more disc manufacturer uses the word fair to me, I'm gonna throw up while we're on the phone. Like, I'm not gonna cuss at you because that's not my style, but you're gonna listen to me vomit in the trash can because <laughs> I just can't. You know what I mean? I just can't listen to it anymore. It's it's there's several reasons, um, and you get it, but nothing seems fair when you're you know. So this the last one, basically, this cut that they put us on. Uh, it's roughly 60% of the amount of discs we sell for them in a month. You know what I mean? And at some point in time, we're not going to be able to keep up if they can't ramp up production. Do they, give you a, do they give, ever give you a reason of why production is not where it's at? Or are they, just, are they overwhelmed because of the amount of sales that they're having? Well, well, so they, there's a few reasons that they give us. One is um, they're producing the maximum amount of discs that they can produce in a day, and the demand is just higher than what they can produce. Um, and then staffing. You know, one one major company in Michigan, one major company in California, uh, both have been under some interesting um, – orders as far as business so you know with the coronavirus they're limited and then uh you know they they dealt with the same thing that we deal with where you know if if unemployment is pumping money into the unemployment then it's tough sometimes to get guys to want to work in some positions you know if you gotta if, if you're hiring somebody to run a machine for you let's say you know and your job is to pour a bucket into hopper pull a disc out of machine you know I, I don't know i've never been to these guys plants but you know there has to be a, a benchmark of what they expect to pay these guys so um you know they're they have to go into their pocket which they can you know obviously afford selling everything they've got but they're you know every business has their own model of what they want to pay their staff and how many staff they want to have and you know so the, those are the, the the things that we're hearing um and they all say we're adding new machines, we're ramping up production, we're doing what we can do to increase um, increase production, and we expect the you know these limits to only be temporary, but 
you know, honestly, as a business owner, it's scary because, uh, like I said, we're a year in, you know what I mean? And if you didn't have limits on me through the last year, um, you know, what happens when we're in the swing of the summer? Right. Well, and that's, you know, you know when I look at it, obviously, Discraft and Innova, uh, you know, I'll say it. Um, what's interesting is if they've come out with specific and new molds you know that are a little more on the higher end and i think they're 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 capitalizing on that but they're forgetting about this those kind of base you know the stars and the champions that that probably made them what they are um yeah i want to make sure i just kind of think about some of my responses here a little bit no you're fine um, no like I, I'll, I'll you have a different position oh. Than I do, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it, so, you know, yes, it's it's difficult, you know, and the world has changed and the sport has changed and how much inventory goes on to um, public-facing sites versus how much goes to dealers. I mean, um, we all see the releases and the pro shops and the, you know what I mean, the, the events that get, plastic um it's 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 an interesting spot as as someone who's been in the business and there's a lot of us you know um as long as we have to to feel starved at this point um it's 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 personal you know what i mean it's it's difficult for me on a personal level because you you feel like you're part of the reason why they were able to grow into some of these opportunities right i mean the shops have been the backbone of of the growth of the sport the manufacturers of course but you know um you, you know the natty like if you think about the growth of disc golf in cincinnati and you don't think about the natty or disc and dat right i remember buying my first discs at disc and dat well my first discs i really loved um, <laughs> you know and it was a big deal we drove to we drove to kentucky and we played banklick and uh you know, I will never forget the experience of walking into disc, disc and that for the first time. So right. to think about, um, you know, how far those stores and, and how many times those stores have sacrificed. And now it's like, this is the heyday for disc golf. And, and, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough on that end for sure. No, I, I you know, I a hundred percent agree with that. You know, like, Disc golf to me is a grassroots sport. Uh, you know, so so golf, you know, is obviously mainstream and everybody knows those big, you know. But but disc golf is is a grassroots sport. And like you said, walking into disc and that the first time and seeing the amount of plastic and being able to touch it and feel it, you know, that's you know every business is running a high because you know some are running a high because of coronavirus, some are low, um, but you can never forget where everything started. You you can't lose fact of 20 years ago, you started and were selling $75 a day. And, and you know, a testament to Hazy Shade is you haven't, you guys haven't lost that fact. Um, you know, so, so kudos to you for that. You know, you're still, you know, every time I'm in there, like I said, they ask me what, I, you know, do, you, do I need any help? And I, I see them ask every customer that walks in, you know, if they need help and if they're new, they'll, they'll, they'll guide them in the right direction. And, you know, and that, and that's, and that's awesome. Um, so I, I want to shift the focus. So another quick story, we had a big conversation and, 
And this is kind of a testament to Hazy Shade because I was probably six months into my disc golf journey uh, when the Hades came out. Um, yeah. And that was that was the one disc that I've ever just wanted uh, because mm-hmm. at the time I had a slow arm speed, and so uh, that was going to be perfect for me. And I'm a Paul Macbeth fanboy, and so uh, and so you you guys have a release, and I and I call five minutes in, and, and they're all gone supposedly, right? But the, the 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 best thing ever was you know and and you know bad on me for posting on Facebook a, a bad review about Hazy Shade should have never done it uh, but I was upset you actually reached out to me personally and, and and had a disc you know you said the inventory was there and somebody didn't check and you actually saved two of them for me and gave them to me at the tournament um, you know and, and was awesome and, and and so for me that was that was kind of my like this you know for me that was you had no you know I mean I, I, I was nobody at the time you know I still am uh, but more people know who I am, but you know, like you had no idea who I was, and but you went out of your way to to make one customer happy, and and so I will always sing your guys's praises. Um, and we talked a little bit about it that day, but you know, with with all these big releases that go out, and and that's kind of the big thing now is these these releases. You know, these they come out with these releases for Paul or for Brody or for Ezra, whoever. Um, how do you manage? Because the aftermarket for this is obviously taken off exponentially. Yeah. Uh, and so, how do you manage and make everyone happy? You don't. <laughs> well, you yeah, made me yeah. happy. I mean, I don't. <laughs> um. Yeah, I remember that very well. Uh. You know, and we we, you know, the staff wasn't communicated to correctly, and we didn't put all the stock out. And when you called, we actually had stock, and it should have been out. They should have been able to take care of you. And so we went into, you know, we try and keep a couple um, when we can for the walls of the stores. And we went into those and, you know, because we needed to make it right, you know. And, and I remember telling you at the time, like, if we were sold out, we were sold out, you know. But the fact that you called and we weren't sold out, it's our responsibility to have that plastic there for you. And, and I, you know, I still believe that. We spend a ridiculous amount of time talking about how to manage releases what's the best way to get them out what's the fairest way um but when it all boils down to it especially right now you just aren't going to be able to make everyone happy you just you just will not we just will not have enough plastic um of those molds that are sought after uh and you know another thing with us is that we don't i believe it's our responsibility as a store to sell for um, manufacturer suggested retail pricing you know it's not I, I know you know I know you could take those discs that we're selling and flip them for double we're, we're very aware of that but I won't be a shop that you're going to see my whole stack of limited stuff on a Facebook auction page or in a waffle or you know, I, I just won't do it like um, so it's tough you know you know that when you come to get that disc you're going to buy it for you know what it's supposed to be sold for this this last release the other weekend was it was astounding i mean there was somebody who stood outside the store starting at 7 30 in the morning um and uh i was driving into work talking to turtle and i'm like hey is there a line he's like oh boss and i'm like how many people are in line he's like like 50 and i thought it was just <laughs> typical turtle talk you know you could probably almost hear it 
and uh, I pulled through the parking lot next door, and he, he wasn't lying. I mean, there's 50 people standing in line outside the store before we open, and it's it's an, it's an amazing feeling. You know what I mean? Like, I, I remember talking to Leslie on the way, and I said, did you ever think that we would be selling Frisbees and there would be a line outside of our door? <laughs> She's just like, uh, no. You know, and it was like, yeah, me either, but uh, wait till you see this video I shot here when I – when I get a second, and it's uh, it's neat, it's fun, but it's it's stressful, man. It uh, new release days can be one of those days where I just am like, oh, here we go, you know, because somebody is not going to be happy, and uh, we take that personally, you know. I like I said, I I don't want to tell a customer no. I don't want to ever not have what you're looking for. I don't want to ever not vend your event. Um, so when, when we have to say no to those kind of things, it's it's tough. It's You just don't want to do it. No, I, I agree. And it's, it's funny. Anytime I see this, you know, when I go in there on the new rack, and there's some discs that I see, if they're in there, I almost feel obligated to buy them because I don't know if I'll ever see them again. You know, Absolutely. I, just, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't even need them or throw them. And I don't, I don't sell anything. Like, I don't – like, I have this in my trunk. Like, I don't – I'm not a reseller. Like, I don't collect – but there's yeah. sometimes where I'm like, well, I might want to throw that in a year. I better get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just never know. You never know. It's uh, it's interesting. So, w- w- with all that being said, obviously with Hazy Shade, it is one of one of the things I want to touch on. I know a lot of these guys, but Team Hazy Shade. Mm-hmm. You know how do you you know how do you go about you know what do you do with those guys? How do you go about you know, picking who you want to represent Hazy Shade, uh, because obviously it's it's obviously important. But I, I think having that representation, I know a lot of the guys that are on it. And I I think they're amazing guys. You know, how do you how do you what do you look for when you're trying to pick that guy to represent your store? This is an interesting question, and we field it quite often. Um, you know, normally around this time of the year, um, and it's. Uh, so a lot of the people who are on Team Hazy are on Team Hazy because, um, you know, they're great golfers or they're great in the community or they've done um, what, I, what I think are really important community things, course builders or, um, you know, just real um, ambassadors for the sport. Uh, but the website is probably the most crucial aspect to um, supporting the team and making it a good investment for the store right because sure i'd love i'd love to have a again kind of like every disc for every hand i'd love to put a team hazy shirt on every body but then what are you getting right so um we have to make sure that we can support the player in a way that they are getting a good return and then we have to look for the player to be able to support us so that we're getting a good return so um you know, for four years, I kept saying this, this is the year the website's going to be up. This is, a, you know, we signed with another new developer and for sure this is going to be the one. And, uh, you know, I, I really feel like I I had let the team down uh, by not having it, by not being able to um, promote them in a way and, and get the return back uh, from the player. Uh, so, you know, we're really excited this year to be able to have launched the website and we went out and we brought John in. Um, so John Hollingshed is, uh, uh hopefully you've noticed a, a 
you know a nice uh, uptick in our in our social media presence and in our team page presence and uh, you know we, we brought John in to uh, manage the team and manage our social media for us uh, you know to be our our own little Bobby Brown um, so you know right now we're kind of in a flux page or in a flux period with the website you know we have a lot of guys who uh, have been with us for a long time and we're just trying to reshape what everything looks like and get the right support out for the players on the team so over the next year uh you'll we'll we'll look to you know bring in some new players uh, and we look at things like what's your social media presence like what how many how many events do you play when you play events do you play in dayton do you play pdga events are you running the bid series you know what i mean because um I think it's important we have a strong local base for a team, but you know, for us to grow the team and grow the store, we need to grow our nationwide uh, coverage, I guess was the right word maybe, uh, or exposure. So the team, we need the team to be out farther than the greater Dayton area um, to continue to push the brand. So if, if you're going to sell yourself, you know, whether it's to us or to anybody, you know, um, you should you should have a value. You should expect to, to receive a value, and you should expect to give a value. Um, and those two things just need to line up for the two parties involved, and that's where a good sponsorship is going to come from. But you know, we we tier ours. Um, you know, we have our OG team that you know basically we're gonna they're going to be a part of the store whether they want to play events or whether they want to just not play um, because of who they are and what they've done for us Uh, and then we have a couple different levels of sponsorship for players whether you're an amateur uh, playing just a few rounds kind of on the up and coming or whether you're that um, you know that that advanced that lower level pro or, you know, we have our top tiers with the, uh, you know, the Christines and the Billies and the uh, Bart, Tony, you know, those guys that are touring pro team. Um, so each one has a different set of expectations to meet the team requirements. Uh, but, it, you know, a lot of it is based off the things that you would expect, amount of tournaments played and your social media presence. Yeah, no, if I see uh, Kurt Jones... Uh, you know, he, he comments on everybody that's looking for a disc to go to hazyshade.com. So I think you're yeah. in good shape. I think you're in good shape with Kirk. Kirk's, uh, <laughs> Kirk's team captain. Him and been, uh, you know, they, those guys have been, they were the original uh, leaders of the team. But as this thing grows and the expectations and the people, it's, it's a full-time gig. Yeah. You know, so we needed to bring somebody in to manage a lot more of the ins and outs and, and uh, John has been great for that. You know, he's he's got a little running to do to catch up. Um, you know, this is a new thing for him, and, and we're trying to figure ourselves out together. But he is just so talented um, at what he does. Um, I, I really think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great for us. And, and we look to, you know put together a good structure once we can get some playing time together and seeing if you know testing our testing our tiers and and what we're giving and what we're expecting uh refine that a little bit then you know open it up to allow more people to uh, you know apply for the team and look at new players but yeah 
the way you carry it to me I, I think it's more important the way you carry yourself in the morning before a round or a, you know on a Tuesday night when somebody runs into you at, at the local course uh, almost than it is when you're out you know playing in an event because sure you know you, you see somebody win an event you hear them you know thank their sponsor you might be paying attention you might not but if you walk up to somebody and you recognize them and they go out of their way to be kind to you and they, they give you a few pointers and they help your game out you're for sure going to remember that experience absolutely so i don't know what roy has if he has any more questions for you but i have one last question for myself sure and and going back to the store what are your future plans like what do you see going forward as far as growth of, of your your company that's an interesting question. Um, we have several plans in the works. Um, you know, some that I, I can touch and some that I can just say we're, we're working on. Um, so, like, we were actually in the process of trying to reopen Springfield. And, uh, I mean, I was ready to make the post that, hey, next month you're going to see the doors of Springfield start to open again. Uh, and then we got hit with the the new limit uh, from one of our biggest brands, and uh, so I'm in a I'm in a research mode again to to make sure that we can manage because uh, I don't want to put out again a bad product. So that's uh, you know that's that's something that we're working on. The website, of course, is something that I'm putting a ton of effort into. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of competition out now, uh, but still still a lot of room for growth on the online world in my opinion there's a few companies who are doing it really well and there's a lot of disc golf out there online that's just so so at best so um you know we're looking to improve our online product not just for regional sales but for our locals as well um, for for you to be able to jump on hazyshade.com and scroll through and see where everything is um you know everything we have available what we can fit on the shelves and what we can't fit on the shelves uh we've been trying to work some releases into that where you could uh make a purchase and uh pick it up in store um you know so that's that's one of the biggest spaces that we see for growth as well with us um it's tough because the sport has changed so much in the last i wouldn't even say year i would say eight months um, I think if you're not looking at your business model and trying to change with it, you might be out of touch. You know, like uh, there's just a lot more stores. There's a lot more online stores. Um, you know, everybody is scrambling for plastic. Uh, you know, you uh, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting two years to follow uh, and see what happens, so. And then I will say that we have a couple of other projects working uh, behind the scenes that I, I can't address too much as of yet, but have some real high expectations for those moving forward too. Well, I did just think of actually one more thing um, as you're talking about like the limited stock and stuff. Um, with some of these hot ticket release items and combined with your, di your uh, digital store, is there a possibility down the road we could see a set up for pre-orders like to pre-order one or two of a hot ticket item or do you guys plan on keeping that just in store only it's it's something that it's it depends it's a case-by-case -case thing number one because a lot of companies won't let you pre-order um, or they they strongly advise you not to pre-order and then the next issue is 
Um, I am always leery to pre-order because and, until I open the box and, and those discs are in my hand, I can't guarantee that we're going to have what they tell me that you're going to have. You know, this last release, um, we were promised uh, a certain amount of discs, and then the box shows up and it's 10% light. Uh, you know, and that's something that then you have to scramble on and then who doesn't get their pre-order and it's the last guy and you know he was so expecting to get it now he's not getting it you know what i mean and then he's really upset and then he's on facebook or he's on google or you know what i mean so it's a it's a it's a manage of expectations a little bit and even when we can pre-order a lot of that stuff you're not allowed to discuss color and weight options uh you know you can just say you get one okay one could be something you don't want right and so it's it's tough on those things i I see a lot of stores do it um i understand why a lot of stores do it but uh it's just i I don't know if it's going to be directly in our business model especially with the shortage of of available stock so all right jeremy so last question uh you know not business related not hazy shade related but you've been in the 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 game for a long time where do you see disc golf going in the next two to five years um that's a good question um again it's it's it kind of goes right back to a lot of things it's it's tough to exactly pin the needle on it obviously we're seeing growth uh like we've never seen before and you're seeing you know a 10 million dollar contract for paul um you know you're seeing James Conrad move over to uh, MVP with with the expectation of manufacturing his own line of discs similar to what Paul is doing there, you know. And so now that needle is set as far as the pro player, right? So what what happens when somebody constantly starts to beat Paul? Is there where is their value at? Uh, you know, I think that. Tournaments are going to be interesting um, in 2021. Um, you mean trying to get into a tournament in 2021? Because that's the issue. Uh, uh, whether <laughs> you're for a couple things, right? So it's super limited, and <clears throat> the expectation of what happens in a tournament is it going to end up having to change. Um, you know, the players' pack angle of things. The tournament directors are going to have to get very creative with what they're going to do. You know, so for example, uh, my vendor who has me on a limit, um, my custom run is on that limit as well, right? So if I put together a hundred discs for a player's pack, that's a hundred discs less than I can put in the store and sell. Oh. So you know, where do you go? Who do you have represent your events? How do you supply a demand for that? You know, we run this little tournament in August with a few players in it, and. Uh, you know, it's interesting to try and coordinate what that what that player's pack will be. So you're you're going to get two things that are going to happen, and, and and I'm afraid um, you're going to get some poorly run things that are going to leave a bad taste in people's mouth, and you're going to get some amazing things um, that just blow people away. So it's our job as golfers in the community to make sure that the, the good overwhelms the bad because, you know, it's, it's just it's just bound to happen. Um, not necessarily local, but on a nationwide level. Uh, and everybody talks about the growth of the sport and, 
you know, taking things to the next level. It's going to take outside investors to get involved a little bit on a sponsorship level. Uh, you know, there's a there's a B tier in Texas I was reading on that's got like thirty five thousand dollars added cash to it. I mean, and it's you know, you you can look at Ledgestone, um, you can look at what the DGPT is doing. Um, you know, so those big events are going to come around, and uh, you know, we're just going to need to make sure that the the sport grows in an effective way. Because uh, at the same time, if we get guys running tournaments who don't know what they're doing and aren't working with the parks, who now all have expectations when you run a tournament um, and insurance requirements, and you know, someone gets hurt for God's sakes. Uh, it, it could change a lot in a hurry for communities. So uh, I'm, a, I'm cautiously optimistic that in two years, the supply will be caught up. Um, not everybody who's playing golf today will be playing, but if we can retain, you know, 70% of them or 60% of them, I mean, the sport will have really come a long way. And, and maybe, maybe not. Maybe we'll just continue to add um, – add players but uh that comes with good and bad too right because then now you're fighting with uh 10 more guys to get that disc you want and 20 more guys to get into that tournament that you hope to get into and you know there's all these covid restrictions that you can only allow a certain amount of players so you're seeing caps of you know like the haha we're gonna have 80 88 players somewhere in there uh in that event and there's you know there's really not a whole lot of change that you can put in there to to bring in more. Yeah, well, in January I'll be uh, I'll be 39 here in June, so in January I'll be MA or MP40, so I don't have to mess with all these kids anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the the fat the sad thing is them young whippersnappers use technology so much better because they they got it so much <laughs> earlier. So they're gonna beat you to the disc golf scene page, Roy. You still got to get in there yeah, you know, yeah. unless you got that protected divisions. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like playing Call of Duty with the mic off. They're still gonna shoot you. You just won't be able to hear them talk. That's right. Yeah, no, anymore. that's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> hey, so I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, you know, being our our first episode with a guest, I, I thought it was very important to have you. Uh, you know, for yeah. you to take your time out for us is, mm-hmm. was amazing. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah.